Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. In this monthly podcast show, we journey everywhere from sexuality to spirituality and back again. And this month, I feel incredibly blessed because by delight and surprise and unexpected twists and turns, I have here with me in uh, my beautiful living room, not just my cat, Tristan. Hello, Tristan. Hmm. Yes, it's a good kitty. Yes, we have a guest star, Tristan, but no, I am delighted that we have with us. Oh, hi, oh. Hi, Lee. Hi, Tristan. <laughs> Please speak into the cattail. (laughs) Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad. I mean, if we're going to be talking about shamanism, the twists and turns and the delights that get us places. Yeah. The easiest way to look. Absolutely. And I know you from the Sacred Sexuality Beltane Mm -hmm. event originally, I believe. Or did we originally meet at free spirit we, gathering we we met at a free spirit yeah long enough for me to chase you through a booth or two and then <laughs> we saw each other again at beltane <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i uh i have very fond memories of uh the sacred s'mores yeah, yeah. where uh aiden who longtime podcast listeners know of very well uh Aiden was wanting to have some s'mores down at the fire, which O was tending as the sacred firekeeper for those events. And as part of that journey, Aiden went down there with the s'mores, and it was like, but what do you mean I can't have the s'mores? Because everybody was saying, oh, you can't have s'mores, you can't have s'mores. And you said something along the fact of, wait, you mean the sacred whores want s'mores? The, yeah. the, the, the sacred whores want sacred s'mores. s'mores. <laughs> That's exactly And we it. did it. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So one of our podcasters in Ohio, one of our podcast listeners in Ohio mm. was, uh, we were talking about what some of the different people were requesting coming up. And I've got lots of great notes for different individuals who, you know, different topics that I'm going to be looking sure, at in the next sure. few months. But one of the topics that came up that I thought was perfect when you and I decided to get together today was the idea of uh, shamanism within a sexual or sacred kink context. Mm-hmm. How does our spirit influence our sexuality and how does our sexuality influence our spirit? And that kind of, that crossover space, mm-hmm. specifically within a shamanic context. And I know you've done a lot of training over the years with, uh, not just within uh, firekeeping, which is mm-hmm. one of the major ways that you're doing your expression right now. Sure. But your skin itself tells stories of years and decades really exploring your faith. So I'm wondering if you can tell us some of your background with that to begin. Um, Sure. Background, like a whole bunch of great Americans trained in traditional British witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) And um, never mind the season shift. Um, Started doing a lot of work um, with fire and with um, people around the fire Mm. and making safe spaces for people to journey in that fire. Mm. Um, And we do a lot of that sexually too now. 
um, learned from a really early age that I saw things differently from people. Um, I learned that some of those people you could share that knowledge with and some of those people you could not share that knowledge with. Right. And then later on as that developed, I realized some of those people needed that knowledge and some of those people didn't need that knowledge. And um, it's almost like walking down a corridor where things get clearer. You know, my spiritual path, um, a lot of discipline to a lot of tradition to a lot of forgetting everything I learned and just looking. Mm, just yeah. looking. And when you look, what do you see? Um, if, I, if I'm just, I don't go just on walkabout <laughs> when I look. If I'm looking for something for someone, I'll usually take um, a piece of them or something that we've gone through and I'll focus on that and, I, and I'll begin to journey. You know, um, I kind of came up through a world where um, modern shamanism um, is pretty much bumper stickered all over the place now. Oof, and, yeah. you know, um, A, I was also taught that no matter what kind of shamanic practices I ever used, I was not a shaman mm. um, because that kind of line got severed. And we can pick it up, we can learn from it and stuff, but um, shamanic practices are, is a lot easier or journeying is a lot easier. So if I'm looking for you, if I'm looking for someone else, I'm really looking for something that shines, something that looks great to me but won't fit. And that, as I know, is for someone else, you know. Um, through drumming and meditation and, and being led on journeys, um, I've learned to go down to the underworlds, where the world is um, a lot like ours. Very lush, mine happens to be, and very natural. Mm. Or to go to the ethereal worlds, where the world is nothing like ours. Right. Mine's pink neon and cubes, usually, and sorting stuff out is harder for me up top. Which is interesting to me whenever I hear how different different people's underworlds and etheric worlds manifest mm -hmm. through their own filters. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, my own personal experience, the first time I journeyed up to the etheric realms, is that it was Rodea Drive. Oh, fantastic. Which is an etheric realm. Which is a very strange <laughs> Especially and Especially in this pantheon of America. And all kinds of creatures zooming by at high speeds for no particular reason from the outside viewer's perspective. Mm -hmm. But very much going on their own journey themselves. Oh, sure. And I just happened to be skidding in from my own, you know, my own vantage point that day in L.A. Uh, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. That's fantastic. I yeah. like Rodeo Drive as an upper world. <laughs> um, I think um, the way that shamanism plays into my sexuality mm. is really when I'm connecting with someone um, and I can journey like that. Although a couple of times I have been tapped out like... Excuse me, Lug, where are you? <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I was getting something for you. You'll love it. <laughs> you know, um, journeying through sexuality and through the use of my body, whether it is restraining it and keeping it from where it's got to go and letting that pressure build so I have a vibration or actually diving right in and really getting into, you know, um, a sexual groove mm. has the same things as a good rhythm. Yeah, a regular beat, a little bit of high notes, you know, and um, something to keep you going. And the same thing happens with that rhythm if you want to use it as kind of tantric shamanism, if, if you would. Mm. You know, holding a little back and letting the rhythm take you. Um, a lot of times it's what I need to do next sexually with someone. Some of my lovers I've been with for a very long time. 
and I'm with them, and it's um, what's next, and not just sexually right there, but what's next for our relationship to grow sexually. You know, sometimes I'll get a little spark of light. Sometimes I'll get a little slow down. You know, on some occasions I've actually stopped sexual acts and said, let's hold each other. And for no emotional reason, but just for the reason of sometimes support is what I get mm. when I journey. Wow, you need to slow up a little bit. You need to go back to that person. You need to support that person, you know. What tools do you use to discern or to hear when those changes need to happen? Cool. Um, hot and cold work really well for me, mm. as far as not applying, but, but noticing hot and cold. I will notice temperature of how my spirit feels. Mm. And I don't mean like, ooh, there's a ghost chili. I mean, wow, this is cooler or this is warmer. So if I'm not sure, I usually head towards warmer. Um, if I'm doing something that's, we can consider it diagnostic, when I'm looking for something that needs to shift or something needs to be shift, there's often a temperature change. It'll be cool and then it'll get hot and, or it'll be warm and then it'll get cold. Mm -hmm. I really wish I could always go with warm and then cold or cool and then hot, but it flips. And I don't know why. And at this point in life, I don't care why. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, temperature difference. I can go with that. Right. And it also makes me curious if it has to do, if it might have to do with what you're even engaging in at that time period. Right. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, if I am, if I have a lover laid out and I'm just passing my hands over them, it's, yeah, it's definitely different than if we are in full bore fucking and I am watching things flash in front of me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely changes up like that. It's usually, if, if someone's just laid out and everything's very calm, kind of softly focused, it's focused on them, but softly focused, um, it goes warm to cold. Mm. You know? And that's more like chakra work and stuff like that, balancing that I would be doing at that point. You know, working with someone to kind of make sure that they were aligned with themselves. Where if we were in, the, in coupling or making love or trashing each other or however we were having at it, um, that's more like you, we are driving quickly down a road and there are billboards popping up. You know? And that's more for making sure the two of us are in tune. Mm. Now, you mentioned the idea of chakras as a tool for balancing out and seeing if everything is, is lined up within that system. Mm. Uh, have you ever done any work... Uh, in your shamanic sexual practice uh, or shamanic practices with a sexual edge, whatever we're, right. whatever words we're using or not we're using today, right. um, for dealing with either chakra blockages or energetic, like, is it always about balancing or is there also mm. work about helping people break through some like of those clear, yes. Like, clear, um, like, yeah. Um, usually after, when, when, when someone's body's been really filled and is really satiated, and they're calm and watered and they're, they're coming back down. And there's really not the pressure of, oh my God, are we going to be in ecstasy? Are we going to have some bliss? There's the, wow, we just did. You know, um, there's definitely a way that, I mean, specifically for myself, and I'll speak in a specifics because that's yeah. um, what I like to learn is I'll lay someone down on their belly if it's comfortable for them. And I'll slowly stroke from the top of their head, which would be considered the crown chakra, all the way down, right into their butt crack, okay? And we've been there, we got all juicy there, but what I'm doing now is slowly, 
And after I've stroked a little bit and it's in, on, on an animal, it's called their back strap, that mm-hmm. muscle that runs right down their spine where all of the nerves run out and through these muscles, um, I can lift up a little bit and it looks almost like the LED light strings that you get. Like I can lift it up a little bit and I don't really get any to manipulate anything, but it's like a bunch of strands come up and then they fall back down. And if a person has been opened and has been fulfilled and is feeling really safe and usually a bit warm and juicy, um, what happens is I get to pick them up and they just kind of lay back down in their proper place. Mm. You know, it's almost like if you ran your hand across the bottom of a broom, how everything falls back into place. Those little strands come up and lay back down and um, it definitely works well. It's a beautiful technique. Thank mm. you. I've also done it with two people after we made love that were laying on top of each other. Mm. And um, it was wonderful. The downside was they didn't want to talk to anybody but each other for like the next day and a half. But <laughs> I, I kept myself occupied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So... Earlier in our conversations before we got on podcast mm. and whatnot, that you were was that you were talking about how about sexual sexuality communities in sacred right. sex, mm. in how some spaces are sex first and sacred second, right. and others are sacred first and sex second. Mm. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit of, of your journey with both of those kinds. Sure, of Sure, sure, sure. And um, I am I was always a kinkster in the bedroom, and I wore a lovely leather fashionable clothes out, and I didn't play out. And, um, and I was a priest for publicly way longer than I was a kingster publicly. And so when I came onto the scene, what I noticed was sacred sexuality really meant, and we're going to burn some incense and I'm going to tell you, I love you afterwards. Um, and a bunch of us are going to do this together and call it a marriage, you know? And, um, I really... I didn't take offense to it at all, but I, I didn't find my world in it. Right. I didn't find my world in it until it was sacred and we were doing sexuality as a component of our worship. We were using sexuality as an offering to deity. We were using sexuality to break someone's boundary. Mm-hmm. We were using BDSM to really push someone through something sacred. Um, ordeal ritual really stepped up when we got tops involved that knew how to push somebody. Not just a priest, but someone or a priestess that says, not only can I understand someone's spirituality, but I am versed in how to push their body through things. Um, Most of the times when you see me doing work like that in public, there's ordeal involved. There's someone getting hurt or constrained or constricted to the point in where they're upset. And then loved and bathed and brought back from that upset. And it gets sorted out because in sacred space, we got to lay down that upset. Mm. And we got to witness it. We got to hold it. We got to dismiss it. You know, um, sacred sexuality events have gotten a whole lot better because people are realizing, oh, I was screaming, oh, God, and meaning it. Right. You know, and meaning it. And, you know, um, East Coast leather community is really opening up to it, you know, really opening up to it. And to understanding that 
Um, the act of love is a divine thing. Um, even if it's an angry act or a violent act, the act of love is a divine thing. And if you go with all acts of love and pleasure are my sacrifice, um, it's one of the ways that it's easy to show people is that it works. Mm. Is that even if one couple that have never used sacred sexuality before say tonight, we're going to make sure that a slice of our fuck we're going to be looking at deity for. A slice of our fuck we're going to be saying, we're going to save this energy for tomorrow when we need to go out and deal with A, B, C, and D. Um, sacred does not always mean that it smells like Three Kings incense. No. For me, sacred can mean we have a really rough day tomorrow. I love you. You love me. Let's fuck to make sure that we are grounded in each other. That makes tomorrow a lot easier. Mm. For me, that's part of the whole God fuck. You know, is um, that we use it and not... I, I don't, I don't want to seem it as we're using it as a distraction to what our day has to be. We use it as a form of coupling. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to need to be really close. So the same way, if we were going to a big party tomorrow, we would have our suit laid out. And we would know exactly where we were going. Preparing ourselves sexually in a, in a way that, wow, I know that we've been honored. And I know that we've done what we needed to do to really make ourselves full to walk into this situation and put the suit on and have fun or take care of what's really heavy. Um, that's a big part of sacred sexuality for me. Well, it's really interesting that you use the suit metaphor because I see a lot of people who will physically prepare for events, who will shop ahead of time and buy their tickets ahead of time mm. and all of that stuff but don't necessarily energetically prepare for whether it's a kink conference or a sexuality event or mm -hmm. a sacred sexuality event mm -hmm. who don't always do that footwork ahead of time. So I'm curious, if you're preparing mm -hmm. for an event that you're going to be going to, sure. what tools do you do to prepare your energetic self for that mm -hmm. journey? Right, and um, I work sacred fire. My biggest devotions are providing sacred fire for people to go through whatever they're going to need to go to and the container that holds all of that. Um, and literally a lot of it's chop water, carry wood. I mean, the same way that I prep for a fire, most of my day, my crew is working and I'm splitting kindling mm. and I'm sitting in one place and they all know where O is and they can come back in and get whatever answer they want. Um, I do the same thing at home before an event, Okay. you know, um, I'm at work <laughs> Okay, I have an event coming Wednesday to Sunday. I'm working Monday and Tuesday. Um, I make sure Monday night I start thinking about controlling my energy, laying it down a little bit. You know what? This is not a regular Monday night because when I come home next Monday, I'm going to be a different man. Tuesday night getting ready. Sure, I'm packing. And honestly, I pack the morning before. Whenever the event is, <laughs> I pack the morning before. My fire gear, that's always packed. But for me... But Tuesday before that event, I'm really thinking about what I need to offer up to that fire, which is almost my constant analogy, fire. Um, what I don't need in this home energetically that I've been carrying in and out that I can offer up to the fire. And the second thing I do is um, any flame is the fire. Mm. And I'll ask, what do you want me to see? 
you know, I do for myself, I do candle meditations, really simple. I can use any, I don't have any sacred candle for it. I don't have any sacred space for it. It's a candle, <laughs> you know, and it's more over a flame. And I ask, what am I supposed to see? And just in training myself to look at flame for a moment, it kind of floats me out. Then when I have a huge fire, with a bunch of people dancing around it and there's drummers and everything set up, I know that my flame is in that fire. And that's part of my preparation. Like just really understanding, wow, there's going to be some great work to do. Maybe I shouldn't wait until the night of the big ritual when the priestess tells me I need to get rid of stuff. I know it's fire. I know it consumes. I know it'll clean house. So I prepare like that. I prepare, okay, what do I need to get rid of? Um, the decisions that I make when I'm in community, it's a lot like a scene. I don't renegotiate in the middle of it. <laughs> the decisions I make in, when I'm in community are usually, especially if we're in sacred space, a lot loftier than what I actually need or want. Mm. So in my preparation, I'm really looking at like, wow, I'm going to go have the sacred experience. When I'm sitting here at my kitchen table... What am I looking for? What's going to be my more sacred right here in my home? You know. Um, that notion um, of every day being sacred. Yo, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we go to events <clears throat> to um, really get that juicy and to share community. There's, it can't be said enough about the sacred sexuality community made me feel... Not just, I'm okay because I do this crazy stuff. I was over that a long time ago. But... I'm okay, and I'm not too old, I'm not too fat, I'm not too, I don't talk too much, I don't do this stuff, because I see normal people doing sacred stuff, and I see normal people doing sexual stuff, and I understand that the norm that's in my household that I, doesn't, I don't think exists anywhere else exists in a lot of households. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you said in, uh, a little while ago was the notion that on Monday when you come back, you will not be the same man. What does that mean for you? Um, I believe in the transformation of fire. And I don't mean we have to walk through it. You know, I believe that just by lighting fire and sitting down with it, with the intent of transformation, you change yourself. Mm. Um, at events, there's always that Saturday night, somebody or group of people, or and it's been myself, I think we all take turns on it, which has a mind-blowing, this is horrible, this is wretched, this is my life, I have no emotions left, they're all trash, this is horrible. Um, met with some good breaths, that can bring you on a beautiful adventure. If you're stepping into, if you say, I want to do sacred work, um, understand we talk to the gods they listen and they talk back so it's it's important if you can prep for that you know it's important to understand that when you go home take time you know in our house there's at least a 24 hour rule there are no major decisions when we are at an event there are no major decisions done between the first 24 hours when we get home from an event that's wise it's a lesson learned with lumps we'll put it that way <laughs> you know yeah but it's um it keeps our household which is a sacred sexual household running smoothly 
you know, we all come off that, that ride and some of us are going to throw up and some of us are going to say, yeah, I want to get right back on the line. But when you come off that ride and you go home, you have to see who's where, you know. And so the prep and the follow-up is really important. The follow-up. Mm. What are your thoughts? Because there's a lot of people who discuss aftercare or processing or right. those kinds of language. Mm -hmm. That family of concepts, how do you think that applies to sacred sexuality? Um, specifically? Mm. Okay. The first point that comes right into my head yeah. is how many people have gone out and pushed their boundaries and they've gone someplace that was scary for them or their partner or their partners or they went there alone mm -hmm. and they've really pushed their boundaries and they have this giant star that they are carrying now and they get home and that star won't fit through their front door. Right. You know, um, so the aftercare of that is knowing you know, I had one of the most horrific experiences with someone I loved dearly. And the car ride, which was always let's process out the thing, was silent. And four-hour car ride. And coming home, we lived together. Coming home, we knew that silent was safe. We did that because there were some really hard things that happened. But now we have to start dealing with. When you come home... You deal with the promises you made to the gods. Mm -hmm. And some of those promises are made in a heightened state where you're not going to be able, to, you're, you won't have a community of hundreds of people around you or even a dozen people around you. You won't have a fire. You won't be at that state of exhaustion that we use sometimes to transform or to clear our minds or to change our minds. Um, what you have is what you left. So coming home and taking care, you know, no major decisions in the, in, at a festival of the first 24 hours after. Also, part of my prep is making sure that my house is in good order when I leave. Because you know what? I might not care about those two bowls that were in the sink. But when I come home, I need stuff clear. I need to know that when I come home to a, to a well-kept space, it's ready for a new person to come in. You know, because you become the guest in your own house. It sounds like a bit, yeah. And anyone can in their own home, even mm -hmm. if they live alone. They come back, and some of the stuff you needed, you could have lost with what you needed to give away. Mm -hmm. You know, you no longer need it. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of saying, wow, those look like my comfortable shoes, but I don't fit in them very well anymore. Mm. So, yeah, coming home um, to wherever home is. And it can also be, I mean, I travel extensively. You travel extensively. extensively. Sometimes, extensive me. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes um, I'm going from one venue to an airport or my car and then in a completely different venue. So I'll be asked for, to burn for a group of women that are incest survivors. And they are, that fire is a dump. That fire is a place that we can take this stuff that we don't need and that we've carried un, you know, unwisely. And that we've carried because we thought we had no choice and get rid of it. And then I can leave and it's Fairy Fest Beltane. You know, <laughs> so um, 
and that's an extreme. I've right. done that. That right in no, that I, sequence. I believe you. I just and, think it's yeah, yeah. And um, but we all go through that. Yeah. I mean, if you look quietly enough, we change every day. If you want to add a catalyst to that, sex is a really good one. Um, because it's something you can push there, and then bring home and say. I want to go a little further with this. I know I went to Jay with Jay at wherever we were. I think I, I would like to go up to F now here. And we were only at C, you know. So, yeah, preparing and, and making yourself comfortable when you get back home is important. Um, while you're there, and I, I know we're talking specifically about, about shamanism and sexuality, but connecting with someone that you are not fucking and is not your priest well, I think that absolutely applies to shamanism, that idea of a, of a lodestone, a touchstone, a thing exactly. that you can come back to that says, this is here, this is me with both feet on the mortal plane, mm-hmm. as compared to one foot here and one, one foot. foot somewhere else. Sure, sure. No, mm-hmm. I think the idea of having that individual or that group of people who will also occasionally say, so was that a vision or was that a really hot lay? Right, Absolutely. Because sometimes if we just accept everything at face value, I think there's a danger there. Mm-hmm. A real danger Sure, there. sure. Were you seeing stars because he was fucking you well or because he was punching you in the head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> a little curter. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh. While he was fucking you well. Um, yeah. Those are grounding people. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to Raven Caldera at one point, and he mm-hmm. said that anytime he does major ritual work of any sort, he makes sure the next day to, uh, or later that night to watch really, really bad porn and eat Chinese food. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't always have the people around him to help him ground out, but those were his tools for right on. being able That'll to be like, you. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh-huh. now. I have a stone in my home. It's um, about the size of, well, they can't see that sphere. It's about a four-inch in diameter, or four-inch diameter sphere of hematite. That I use. Mm. And people that visit me call it the thudder. That's what it's become because people show up on the porch and they're ba 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 ba, and I say, "Hold this, it's four pounds of hematite in a beautiful sphere. I'm gonna go make you a cup of tea." And in the time it takes me to steep a cup of tea and bring it bring it out to them, it, it works a lot. Yeah, good tools are good tools. I wish there was a a, a four inch, you know, I mean a four inch round ball of hematite available for a lot of SM events. Yeah, um, yeah, see me because yeah. I don't go to events like that without it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, so I keep it at home, but it's usually in my travel bag when it's a big event. And I think the energetic equivalent for somebody who doesn't have a four-inch hematite mm-hmm. ball can still be applied. What about packing or planning something like that that could Absolutely. be that grounding mm-hmm. tool? I, uh, I know for a while Master Skip Chasey was talking about how the fact that he would uh, bring his own favorite tea. So that if he had a crazy day at the conference, that crazy Always day at the event, in my back, just my morning mate by Tivana. Always, yep. it's it's funny. I, yeah, and I do that, and I do. I also do that as a, as a ritual, because I do that in my home. Mm. So I do it before we went out tonight. I yeah. brewed a cup and I wrapped it in my scarf, and it was still warm when I drank it hours later. Yeah. Um, the other thing is salt's really good and meat's really good. <laughs> You know, and you might not want to think salt and meat's good for me, but but if I'm floaty, it grounds me out. Yeah, heavy proteins and salt, mm-hmm. I would agree. Sure, because sure. even working with vegetarians and vegans, it's that lentils, it's that thing, full of, like that, that giant bowl of chickpeas that has your name written all over right, it. Right, 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 right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's really funny because there's this trend that happens in a lot of sexuality communities, whether we're talking the swinger community, whether we're talking SM, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, where the midnight snack is this sugary option. Mm-hmm. It's this thing that's light and sweet sure. when what our body really needs is that salt, is that grounding. Right. And we were talking before about that the fact that that physical habit also applies to people's energetic habits. Mm-hmm. That people might be craving sweet energy. Oh, I just need some, some candy energy. That'll be right. really great. When mm-hmm. what their bodies are really hungry for is sustainable energy. Right. Well, we can try it. Anybody that's listening, the next time you're around midnight and in the middle of a real great groove and somebody wants a Hershey's kiss, give them something a little salty and kiss the back of their neck really gently. Because the good chance is that's the sweet that they want. Mm. Their bo- I mean, bodies run like machines. And if we give them sweets in the middle of the night, and I'm good at about four, when I'm done, I've rocked whatever's rocked, and whatever's rocked, rocked me. When I'm done, I so do a big sweet thing, because it crashes me out a half an hour later. I know that I'm going to be silly and ridiculous and have some fun and crash out. And that's, that's, that's what sweet does. It also does it when you play. Meaning the end of my night is usually a slower a thudder, a push, you know, by then the pulse of the night, which is a whole different podcast, um, Carpe Noctum, Um, the pulse of the night's kind of taken over the whole thing. And as someone that keeps fire, I can see, wow, I can back off. I can let things just start to have their own pulse, Mm. you know. And if I ran in there and did a whole bunch of real sweetie stuff, it would change things a lot. Right. But a little bit of sweet, Definitely keeps things nice. I think that's a beautiful point to end on. That a little bit of sweet keeps things nice. Yes, it does. Thank you so much, O, for coming out and sharing and talking. And are there any upcoming events that you'll be at that people can come and see you work your fire magic? Um, yes. Um, I will be working at Sacred Sexuality, Sacred Sexuality Beltane in Maryland. That's the last weekend of April, first weekend of May. Exactly. I will be working Dark Odyssey Fusion. I will be working Fire. That'll be middle of June? Middle of... Last week in June. Last week of last June. Last week Correct. in June. Correct. The weekend of June 21st. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will be working Fires of Venus, which will be the second week in August. Mm. All of these words, you can Google these words and find these festivals. And we'll also put them in the podcast notes. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And then I will be working... FetFest. FetFest. Fantastic. In September. Labor Day. Labor, Labor Day, Day weekend. weekend. Right, right, right. And if you want to look hard enough, I burn fire at my house all the time. Mm. Thank you. Yum. Yum, yum, yum. And for folks listening at home, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Lee Harrington with Erotic Awakening. And I hope you have a fantastic journey, both salty and sweet. Hmm.